On this episode of Resi Week, Ring Ads, End-to-End Encryption, Sony hosts a virtual AV tech event, and Cedia Expo's new influencer network. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 285. Sign the waiver. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Just Add Power, the global leader in video over IP solutions with systems that give you easy installation, unmatched scalability, and outstanding performance. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AVNation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my longtime friends. First, we have Mr. Henry Clifford. He is the president of Livewire and the co-founder of Paracel. How you doing, my friend? What's going on, Matt? Great to be here. Great to have you back. It's been a minute. And then we have Mr. Joe Whitaker. He is the CEO of Thoughtful Integrations. What's up, Joseph? Glad, you know, it's a beautiful day outside. We don't have any rain, and I'm happy to be on with you guys. I, I'm so happy we don't have any rain. We've yeah. had way, way, way too much rain the last couple of days. So, very, very good. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro. Ring devices just got much harder to hack. They have finally added end-to-end encryption for their videos uh, across worldwide, which is which is really nice. It had started as a uh, a U.S. kind of beta test uh, where they were allowing this to uh, be turned on, and now it is going to hit, I believe, pretty much uh, the majority of their products, including Ring Video Door Pro, uh, Pro. Uh, video doorbell pro 2 uh, doorbell elite and a bunch of their other devices henry let me let me start with you on this one i'm i i'm somewhat frustrated that it wasn't already <laughs> enabled from the get-go uh but i knew that you know was the case what takes companies so long to realize that yeah encryption is really good we probably shouldn't be putting out devices without it. I, I feel like for, for Ring, this is probably a really good way not to finish, but to answer a conversation that they didn't start. Right? This conversation started because of that scenario where the little girl's bedroom got hacked and mm-hmm. it, was, it was a Ring camera. And, and I think at the time, to Ring's credit, it wasn't even a, a true hack. But they, they, their name became associated with compromised video. And yeah. now here they come almost in Apple fashion to say, not only are we sort of compliant with standards that are out there now, but, but now we have something new that doesn't exist in the industry and, and we're implementing it end to end with our devices. So it's, I feel like they're putting their hand in the dog food of their their competitors of the industry a little bit, and uh, I, I I feel like they had to to answer, but to but to do it and sort of turn the volume to eleven on it. Why did it take so long? I don't know. Good, 
things take time. Uh, I, I, I feel like a lot of times companies react because it's expensive to do the right thing. And, and, and the, the right thing and the hard thing are usually the same thing. And uh, I think we all know that, uh, that, that there's so many competing priorities. But they, they really had to do this one. But to come back at it this way, I'll, my hat's off to them. Whether it's, whether it's true or whether it's any good, I have no idea. But from a spin PR perspective, it's, it's a fantastic. clever, really well-played announcement. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan, uh, even if it's just from a PR standpoint. Anytime you can highlight uh, security is good. For some clarity, it is on uh, essentially the majority of their wired devices. It does not work uh, on any of their battery-powered doorbells or cameras. So if you're just selling battery-powered, you're plumb out of luck. Joe, when, when you see this, this is one of those things that again i'd like to see this with every company in our channel that does anything on the network to have encryption two-factor authentication is that in the past like when ring first came out that would have been a really big ask to determine how to do end-to-end -end encryption properly effectively cost effectively uh and without lagging their systems dramatically in today's world, is it too big of an ask for us as as integrators to look at all of our supply chain uh, companies and say, yeah, we, we need at the bare minimum two-factor. We need encryption. We're not selling it if it doesn't have that. You know, it, it, this, is, this is an interesting one for me. And the reason why is kind of what Henry said um, about, you know, the, the public you know, cry of that one camera in that one house. Now, now that's on the consumer base, but on the, on the integrator base, what we're used to, we know there's a government do not use list. We know there's brands that have basically been blacklisted um, for use. And customers hear about that. And they're like, oh, don't put that brand there. We know Wells Fargo got hacked because of that. We know that this got hacked because of that. We know you can't use that at an airport, right? So that's not secure. So I think Ring itself had a lot to look at previous, right? And and the thing is, is number one, the encryption I think is perfect. Everyone are, knows they already own AWS, right? So so they've already got, the servers are already theirs. They can do whatever they want with them. It's turning on and off switches. But what I think Ring did, and the reason we're seeing it like this, is because big ships are hard to turn fast, right? And Ring mm -hmm. and Amazon are the biggest boats in the water in technology. So it takes a little longer to shift them. And what they're doing is they're going down a pecking list. This is what I see. I'm not saying I have any in in insider knowledge at all, because about this I don't. But they're going down a list. Let's make a POE camera. Okay, done. Let's make it work outdoors. Okay, done. Let's make ones that are specifically for pros only. Okay, done. Now let's do two-factor. Okay, now as of like a couple days ago, done. What can come next? I don't know. Their own branded PoE switches. Maybe a standalone NVR that only records when your internet goes down and then pushes it up to the cloud for backup. I don't, I don't know. But it seems like they're going down a really smart uh, um, strategic directory, um, a direction, marking off things as they go. Because we've, we all know, because Matt, you sell you know, cameras and 
Henry, I know you do. And the ones we've been selling for years, customers say they're ugly. All those apps that go along with them are extremely hard to use. And explaining 500 times to a customer how they have to get the recordings off is insanity. Um, you know, we've dealt with this and Ring is slowly marking, there you go, another one, an easy to use app that they can easily find their recordings, whether it's person detected, motion detected, or all time recording, right? They're knocking all these things off the list for, for basically, you know, at the end, when you look at it, it's for customers like ours. And that's the important thing. They're recognizing those pain points and just going down the list and saying, okay, this quarter checked off. That was done. So let's move on to the next quarter. Okay. Boom. Checked off. Done. So I, I think the strategic vision they're showing, there's a lot of, lot of in-between-the-lines writing if you really look at it. There's a lot there. Um, and kudos to those guys for what they're doing because every time I turn around, they're making my job easier. So, so let me ask kind of, kind of both of you a quick policy question. And Ooh. Joe, I'm really glad you brought up the, the do not use list because we, we all know who those companies are. And we won't uh, we say could, them. I was thinking about it, but you know, now I won't. Yeah. If you don't know, hit me up on Twitter. I'll let you know. Um, but I'm, the majority of us have installed those systems for clients who, even when you tell them, yeah, you probably don't want to use this brand. They go, hits the price checkpoint. Just put it in. I don't care. What is your internal policy or do you have an internal policy on how you either a disclose or B warn clients about the potential security pitfalls with some of these products that we sell. Cause we all sell stuff that doesn't have any encryption that doesn't offer two factor. Does that, it, should that be part of your conversation or should that be a legal document or should you just ignore that to high heaven? I, I went to the trouble of putting a, a camera from the do not use list in a closet in my house. I turned it on, didn't do anything really special to protect myself. And within 72 hours, we're eating dinner. And all of a sudden I hear from the closet, a, a, a guy's voice coming from inside the closet. And what, what I hoped was going to happen, this sort of me honeypotting somebody to come and hack into this thing happened and it played right into the this blog that I wrote. Well, I wrote the article specifically to share it with our customers and say, look, this is not just pearl clutching, right? This is real. And it's something to be concerned about. We share that as an education deal, but then with on the actual product side, if we touch it, we own it. That's sort of our philosophy. And so therefore, um, if they want to bring something to the table, like a camera or something and have us install it. Unfortunately, the answer is no, we don't do that. We will, we will put product in that we can warrant, you know, warranty and remotely manage and etc. And I mean, if that's a deal breaker for that client, I mean, for most of our customers, the, their big driver is time and saving time, mm -hmm. not dollars. And so if, if, if that's a deal breaker for them, that's, probably an early warning sign that that relationship's probably not going to be that great. So we will, we will have, we will politely just sort of back away uh, or, or try to pivot the conversation into sort of a yes and conversation. And most of the time we're successful doing that. But outfits like, I mean, you look at alarm.com, 
you look at uh, you know some of these other uh, outfits that are out there, you know, providing these cloud sort of delivered video solutions. Um, they really try hard to make sure that they're they're doing a good job of of encrypting end to end. But I guess uh, yeah. So the short answer would be uh, we educate and then say no politely. Yes, and. So, so we, we, are, we, you know, it's funny though, when you have long-term clients or long going on projects, I, I always fancy myself as the king of disclaimers and waivers. Uh, it could be anything from last minute, a customer pops up with a TV that's going to go in an exercise room and says, Hey, I already bought the mount. Cool deal. Sign this waiver saying you provided the mount. If it falls off the wall, not my fault. But same thing with uh, cameras, you know, sometimes that's what they want because that's what they have at their corporation or whatever the case. And what do they have to do? Here is the government do not use list. Please sign this waiver stating that you understand the, the risk and the mitigations required, blah, 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 blah. Done deal. You're good. Fine. Um, but you look at a lot of those that are in our industry that are, are typical. It will be very hard for you to count on one hand how many actually have that level of encryption. Mm-hmm. very hard um and and that's like you know not only is this good for a ring but it's also a great wake-up call for the other people in our industry yeah very much so all right gentlemen let's uh move on to our next story of the day this comes to us from residential systems sony is hosting a virtual av tech expo july 27th and 28th it's going to showcase the latest in crystal led video walls and their bravia 4k pro displays including i believe the brand new 100 inch uh, which i don't know if you guys have seen but it looks stunning uh so they're they're covering a bunch of really really cool things and they've got programming built around the whole day joseph when when you see this when you follow this uh i'm assuming you will likely participate in some way shape or form um do you think that the the, these large-scale virtual events are going to continue to to be commonplace uh you know in, in the in the near future as we've got expo around the corner um, in September, we've got Infocom in uh, late October. CES is going live in January. We're kind of back to regular shows, in-person shows. Is, is this kind of going to be the end of the virtual shows? Or, or do you think that manufacturers like Sony are going to continue doing this in the future? Well, you know, I, I think hybrid approach could apply um, I wish they, you know, I'm zoomed out, dude. I'm not even going to lie. I cannot sit on any more virtual anything's just about, this is about as virtual as I'll get. But, um, what they, what this is doing with Sony is something I, I'd actually discussed with Grub over at Legrand before about is the interactive portion, right? Okay. Now you've got my attention. I may not be able to touch it with my hands, but I can virtually touch buttons and stuff. <clears throat> okay. Now this might be cool. Right, because now it's not just me listening to somebody talk about some specifications that I can read on a cut sheet. Um, this is kind of taking it to a slightly better level and makes it easier for me to schedule because you know they're going to have repeats of this and mm-hmm. you know it's going to continue on a little bit after. Um, I do think that things like this will be more few and far between. I think regionals, um, you know, after Expo and ISC are going to be the big hit. Um, people having to travel less distance to be able to go see all these wares and all these things. Um, I think regional is actually where um, we're going to see the most value coming in the future. 
Um, but because of the timing, I think this Sony one and the format of it is going is going to be a good gauge for what the future can look like. Yeah, very good. Henry, uh, uh, Joe mentioned scheduling. That has been my my kind of pushback on virtual events since we started them was that, you know, when we have in-person trade shows, we know when they are. They're in our calendar, you know, for three years before we're going to get there. I know when I'm going to Infocom. I know when I'm going to CDA. I know when I'm going to ISE. What I don't know is in three weeks, I'm going to go to a half day here. I'm going to do a two day there in, you know, a week and a half. How do you go about actually scheduling time for all these events? Because all of our vendor partners want to meet with us on something, on some event, sometime, somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't well, have time I, for this. How do you do it? Well, that's great. And I'm a believer that these events are sort of permission for us to sort of manufacture crisis for ourselves. And just the act of going, right? We pack up, we go somewhere. Now we're somewhere else. And we and we Im- immerse ourselves, right? We fall... We go to CD every year, and you have the same experience, right? You you remember, you remember being at the gate at your departing airport, and then before you know it, you're at the airport again, heading home, and what the hell just happened? And you had this amazing two or three days of killer interactions mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe we had breakfast, right? Yeah. Or, uh, walk around the show for and make these amazing human connections and interactions. And uh, when I saw the Sony thing, uh, fine. But the first thing I checked was, are, does this mean they're not going to be at sea? Thankfully, I checked the booth location. They got a killer booth location. And then I questioned too, like, how are you going to show me an 8K anything on a uh, 1080p monitor, right? So I, I questioned a little bit that, and 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 I don't mind the trying new things and augmented reality, whatever, party on. I mean, I think it's all about throwing stuff against the wall. But I, I agree with Joe. I think we are kind of kind of zoomed out. And then the other piece that I heard on a call that I thought was really clever was to really make something meaningful virtually. It doesn't mean just trying to create a facsimile of the in-person thing in a virtual environment, right? There's there is a way to do virtual well. I mean, I heard some people really say cool things about Alex's little Josh AI thing, right? Which I think happened at, at like, last CD. Like January uh, or something? It was it January? Yeah. Yeah. But I heard these sort of pockets of uh, praise of different virtual type events. Um, but I think over, and, you know, over, over it all, I think yes is burnout. I think for something virtually to really pop, it's got to be uh, something unique. And then you've got to have something of value to trade for the time. And then also, how the hell are you going to kind of get away from all this crap, right? You've got, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I go to these virtual shows, right? I mean, we've got it run, you got your main desktop thing, right? And you, you probably got it on your iPad, sidecarring it over here half paying attention to it so i wonder what are you you saying henry are you saying that when i go to virtual events i don't pay a hundred percent attention to the virtual event 
I don't, Matt. Now, I know you do. But, are you but are you I, trying to say that when I host a podcast, I'm not checking email in the middle of the podcast? I, Matt, have you guys you know, seen how many times I've looked at my phone? I'm just saying. <laughs> come on. I mean, I don't, you know, but I'm just like, if the idea is to pay attention and, and be present and, and all that good stuff, then I think the in-person piece... I mean, it's just it's just rude, right? If I'm just if I'm sitting there at the at the table with you or standing there with you, and you're sitting there staring at yourself, I just I think there's something about the forced burning of the ships that is wonderful about getting together. It's, yes, it's, you're, you're setting that time aside. I don't know any other way to do it, uh, and I'm not a luddite by any means. I was going to say, and there's no way that that in virtual you would be able to see Henry Clifford sing with Everclear. That's true. It was one of the most priceless memories of all of my CDs because it was amazing. I, I, I will say that if you want full attention, you, you kind of have to make me get in my truck and, and drive somewhere to get there because otherwise there are just too, there, there's too many distractions. Now, that being said, I love the, the, the regional aspect of, you know, putting on something that's virtual so that if you can't get to that event, in person, you can still participate. All right, gentlemen, let's let's hit this really quick. Uh, our last story of the day comes to us from CE Pro. Cedia Expo is expanding their influencer network. If you read through the list, uh, as as Jason McGraw mentioned, he is uh, looking to uh, bring some some influencers to help spread the word about the great content and news and show insights for Cedia Expo 2021. A lot of our good friends are on this list. Uh, notably Amanda Wildman, uh, Jeremy Glowacki, Michelle Gus, or, or Geis, uh, John Siaka, Giles McCoy, Mr. Christopher Neto, Chris Matta, Heather Sidorowitz, and Timothy Albright. Uh, gentlemen, when you see this, Joe, when you're, when you're following along with this, one of the interesting things I'm seeing on this is, you know, the addition of people like uh, Mr. Neto, who, who's, who's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, he and I go way, way back and I'm very excited to see him participating in this, but I'm not oblivious to the fact that Mr. Neto doesn't do anything in residential at all. And he never has. He is a, you know, comes from a fortune 500, uh, consultant tech consultant company. Uh, and then of course, Starin and, and a couple other ones, Barco to, to name a few, when you see kind of the evolution of that influencer list. Henry, I, I feel like we met one of the first times in, you know, as, as an influencer group on, uh, for, for Expo. But when you see the evolution of who the influencers are, is that foreshadowing how the, the, the Expo show is going to shift a little bit? Oh, mm. man. So I was trying to, and, and because I'm having to use this browser, I'm not already logged in. I was going to pull up like the last paragraph of it. Um, cause without, with saying, without saying the answer to your question is in it. This has, man, I don't even want to say it like this, but it's frustrating because there's just, there's certain things you don't say in print or you don't preface in print. Right. And at the end of that article, it kind of says, a, um, this influencer list is being used to push out news information and blah, 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 basically about 
our sponsors. You know, if you really look at that last paragraph. And so to me, that's why Christopher Netto makes sense. You take the people who have the most followers on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Doesn't matter if they do residential or commercial. Who cares? He's going to go to the Sony booth. And he's going to take a picture of that new 100-inch 8K. And he's going to tweet it out. And a lot of people are going to see it. This has nothing to do with, you know, it, it, it's, it's like when you see some of the adjacent industries put a so-called expert in front of their people, and then you go look at the bio, and they're a, they're a trained self-help instructor. They have nothing to do with technology or smart home, but they're a smart home expert. What? This is more about getting the most amount of eyes on sponsors gear that's what it boils down to that's why you take an amanda wildman who i respect in technology like no other in residential and with her outreach and education and all the other stuff she does but she's got a lot of followers and people listen to her and she she's going to run around and take pictures and do tweets on cool stuff great i'm going to follow her so i get to go see where i need to go look at but if you look at the last paragraph it all makes sense. I'll, I'll read that last paragraph before we uh, go to Henry. The relationships that result from being a part of this group will help propel my business forward while supporting the brands and technologies I love. And that's a quote from uh, Giles McCoy. Uh, Henry, when you when you see this, does does using influencers to promote industry shows does that just have the reach within the industry? Or is it one of those things where there's a there's a potential for some actual trickle down and, and expansion beyond our industry to peripheral industries who get excited and want to participate? Or is that is that the is that the pie in the sky best case scenario approach? I, I can remember hearing on World News Tonight Peter Jennings talking about a, a file sharing service called Napster. And, and I remember thinking, uh-oh, <laughs> game over. Like, we, we had a fun There run. goes the Napster. And uh, my point in, in saying this, uh, not just to flag. No, my, there goes LimeWire. <laughs> not, just to show, not just to show my age a little bit, but also I feel like when the, when the parents start making lists and trying to uh, kind of vector and control things. I mean, an influencer network by its very, by just by the terminology, it's this sort of grassroots, decentralized, uh, democratized kind of deal where the crowd determines who the influencers are. So I think Cedia or, or whoever, they're welcome to sort of anoint, right, folks and, and say, hey, here's here's who we're tapping to sort of do X, Y, or Z. But the wonderful thing about social media is the crowd will sort of ultimately suss it all out, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our badass friends, right? Amanda and Heather and Jeremy and some others on the list who I don't know as well, right? They're going to do their thing. Um, and I think it's cool that if there's some unification of the messaging, we'll see what the messaging is. The crowd will sort it out. Uh, and I think that uh, that's one of the great things I, I love about you know, seeing something like that happen here, which is you, you, you can't just, you know, and, and not that they're telling people to like anything, but, you know, trying to 
control the spin or trying to kind of move things uh, in a certain direction. The crowd is get, the crowd's going to do what the crowd's going to do. If the mm-hmm. content's great, they're going to like the content. They're going to share the content. If the content sucks, then they won't. And that's the that's the beautiful thing about it is that it all rises to the top. I mean, nobody, no matter how many click farms are out there, nobody's watching crappy videos on YouTube, you know, that much, right? So you can click farm it to death or do whatever you want, but the crowd will will sort it out. So long live, long live the uh, the, the social media, you know, democracy, and, and good luck to our our buddies and 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 good for Cedia for trying something new. Well, and you know that that's the thing. Before Matt, you take back over. Is if you look at it, our industry is the latest on latest on the boat utilizing influ, uh, influencers. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody else already has right. The, you know, the the kitchen bath industry, interior designers. They they've been doing that for years, right? And this list, they, I'm like Kendra said, heavy hitters, Jeremy and Heather and. Amanda, like these are people I watch and I listen to and I respect. So, of course, I'm going to follow it, but I'm also going to do what Henry just said. I'm going to see what rises to, you know, kind of to the top, what is really influential to me. And I'm going to pick the pick and choose those things. That's what influencers are for. We're just really late getting involved in it. Yeah, very much so. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining me. Henry, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Livewire or get connected with Paracel, where do they do that? Sure, uh, online, getlivewire.com or getparacel.com and uh, all my social media is uh, either at getlivewire or at getparacel. Thanks again for having me, Matt. It's great to be with you, Joe. Always, my friend. Mr. Whitaker, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more about Thoughtful Integrations, where can they do that? They can always just hit me up on email, joe at thoughtfulintegrations.com, or check us out on Facebook or other things we do. And uh, I will start trying to push out some content in the near future for our masses of integrators. And I I do want to say thank you, Matt, for having us on, because this is the first time that all three of us have got to sit down together and chat in a really, really long time. It's been a long, long time. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. 